0: Thank you for joining the conversation on Colloquium. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm, please visit excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn.
1: Hello and welcome to the conversation on Colloquium. Today I have with me Donna McGovern. Donna is a luxury lifestyle attache at her company, Away With Donna. She manages luxury lifestyles, which includes travel planning, entertainment experiences, events, board meetings, personal shopping, and more for a portfolio of ultra high net worth individuals and their families. She travels often and all over the world for work and is always looking for fun, exciting experiences to pitch to her clients. Donna, how are you today?
0: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm good. So, kind of a crazy business, um, but fun. Had, had, yeah, but I'm sure fun. And we're gonna get into some of the fun stories that you have and experiences. <laughs> but did you come from this world? No. How did, how, okay. Did so how, how did you find yourself in this space?
0: So um, I did events. I was in the events industry for about 15 years and I did very large scale events um, like the Macy's Day Parade, the Heisman Trophy Dinner, and I did some fashion shows. And I really loved what I did, but I didn't um, have a direct connection to the principals of those events. So I decided to do what I considered smaller events of 175 people or less. And in doing that, I was able to create relationships with the principals. And I had done a board of directors meeting for the president of a hedge fund. And after the meeting, he wanted to meet with me. And he told me that he liked the way I worked and he trusted me and asked me if I would be interested in managing aspects of his personal life. And I was totally honest and said, I have no idea what that means, but okay, let's give it a try. And so it started out he was entertaining clients. Could I make him dinner reservations? He wanted to do a charity event. Could I plan that for him? And then it slowly and organically evolved to other services that I now provide.
1: Was this a business that you had always been in?
0: No. So actually, originally, I worked at a pharmaceutical company and I did their meetings and events. And then I worked at an ad agency and did their meetings and events. And I got to meet people in the industry. And so the way I worked for the Macy's Day Parade was I was friends with the producer of the whole parade who was subcontracted out. And so I just worked for a portion of it. I was in charge of the clowns. Fun fact about the Macy's Day Parade, there's 900 clowns in it. And so I was just in charge of them getting them in. We had rented the hotel across the street from Madison Square Garden. The clowns are employees of Macy's friends of the employees of Macy's and family members of the employees of Macy's. And so they came in at 6 a.m. We had 450 went to costumes, 450 went to makeup, then they switched and we had to have them on the bus to go uptown at 8 a.m. So that was a, an amazing experience. Uh, the way I did the, I, I received um, the Heisman Trophy event was I volunteered for a charity organization in Connecticut called the Walter Camp Football Foundation. And they recommended me to the director of the Heisman Trophy dinner to plan their event.
1: I love the nine (laughs) hundred clowns. You were the clown person for the Macy's Day Parade. That's unbelievable, (laughs) but it Um, was fun. I'm sure it was fun. And you know, as an observer and somebody who consumes this on television, you realize that there's a lot of work and organization that goes into it. But could you maybe provide some context about how much planning? And how many moving pieces there are for an event of that type of scale and magnitude?
0: So what I learned about the Macy's Day Parade is on the Friday after Thanksgiving, they start planning the parade for the following year. There is so many moving parts in that event. Uh, It's overwhelming. And I think the company does a great job of making it look easy. And the one thing I took away from the Macy's Day Parade is they're all about the people for example, after we got the clowns on the bus to go uptown, we had downtime until they came back. Because once they came back, we had to switch them out of their costumes and then load the costumes on the trucks to take them back to the warehouse. And so they provided us with a breakfast and we watched the parade on televisions in the big conference room and the ballrooms. And then after the parade, they had Thanksgiving dinner for the Macy's employees who had to work on the holiday. So they know it's a great experience, but they were also very understanding of you're giving up your holiday to help us. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then for the Heisman show, any good stories or things that you could maybe impart to us about what happens behind the scenes or something like that?
0: So the Heisman is a lot of moving parts. So for example, there's the TV aspect of it. And then there's the dinner aspect of it with the silent auction and that whole component. And when I was doing it, it was at the Hilton in um, on sixth Avenue. And so at the time it was the Nokia center. It's now changed its name, but at the time it was the, the filming for the, actual presentation of the trophy was there. And so it was, that component was getting the venue set up, but then getting the three candidates in, their families, making sure everyone was in the green room before airtime. They were all calm and settled and had everything they needed. And so then once that was done and the winner was chosen, then your focus moved from that to the actual dinner on Monday evening. Your focus was on everything, but like for those specific times, it was hyper-focused on the TV event and then quickly switching gears to the Monday night because that dinner had 1,200 guests. So that was a big event. And it was working with the hotel and getting in the silent auction items and... Having that, which was sponsored by Toyota, and making sure those people were happy. the sponsors were happy. The player and his family was taken care of. And then all the guests had the experience that the Heisman wanted them to have, all while raising money for a charity,
1: yeah, just incredible. And then you did the fashion shows come after that? or was that always something that you were working on?
0: So the fashion shows kind of so what I learned about the event industry in New York is, it's, it seems so large because it's New York City, but it's a very small community. So the woman that hired me to work at the Macy's Day Parade also did fashion shows. And she had said to me, you know, if you're ever interested, and I was honest, and I said, well, I don't have any experience in fashion. And she said, no, it's not. It's more logistical. So for the fashion shows, there's the back of the house, and then there's the front of the house. And so Most of the shows I was in charge of the back of the house, which is organizing the models, the hair, the makeup, getting the models into their outfits if they have to change and then keeping that whole aspect organized. And then the front of the house is greeting the guests if they're. VIP guests, making sure they get shown to their seat if there's special arrangements. Sometimes they get a special gift, that sort of thing. Um, handling any security issues for our high profile guests and that sort of thing. So it's like two different aspects, but the same events. And the thing that is the most fascinating about fashion shows for me is it's this it's its own entity of energy. It's exciting, it's empowering, it's a little frenzied, but then literally in less than five minutes, the show is over. It's like, go, walk, change if you must, come back, and then boom, the designer's out there showcasing the finale. And it's it feels like less than five minutes after you've been planning for days and weeks and hours before the show.
1: And so this is the segue for me. And I thought about this, before our our conversation. And you mentioned it right back of the house, front of the house, upstairs, downstairs, this Downton Abbey type dynamic. I'm sure that translates into the ultra net worth individual and family space where a lot happens behind the scenes and before the event. And from your perspective, the event or the experience probably goes really quickly, but there's so much that goes into it. So are there parallels there with working with these, fashion shows and these these big events like Macy's Day Parade and the Heisman, and then working with these ultra high net worth individuals?
0: Absolutely. I think what I've learned is the key to a successful event is to make it look easy. It doesn't matter what's happening behind the scenes. All that matters is that the guest's experience is seamless and enjoyable. And I think that totally translates to, to the high net worth individual because... Your focus is that they have an enjoyable experience and anything that's happening up until that point or during any part of your transaction with them, it's irrelevant. Like you you would need to solve it quickly and learn from it and then move on. And the whole time, never take your focus off the goal, which is a satisfied client, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, absolutely. So when this hedge fund manager approached you,
0: were you hesitant? I was hesitant because I wasn't really sure what it meant, but I am from the belief of why not? Like, if it's not going to hurt you, why not try it? Like, you never know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. And now here you are. So let's get into that experience. One, it's interesting to me that the hedge fund manager was able to spot talent, right? When they see an event go smoothly, when they have an extraordinary experience... They want to replicate that for their own lives. And they were able to identify you as somebody that could orchestrate that for them. Was it initially just dinners and parties or was it trips and big time events right off the bat?
0: No, it was a gradual organic growth. And I think that was beneficial for both of us because he was learning the way I work And I was learning his expectation and the type of person he was and what he was looking for and what he would consider a great experience. Like initially, he wanted to take his clients out to dinner and that's great. So it runs smoothly. It's a good restaurant, those sort of things. And I think those baby steps, as I did different events and services for him, it gave us both a trust factor in each other. And got to know, it it helped me get to know, like, what is he going to think is great? And then that helped me, when he did make a request, recommend something that I thought was in alignment with his expectations.
1: How does somebody, you know, you didn't grow up this way. No. And you didn't have experience. Certainly, you work some really big events, right? We talked through that. But how do you, Donna, know what the expectations are for this 1% of 1% elite population. Did you do homework? Did you ask around? Are there other people in your network that you're able to compare notes with to make sure that that you were on the right track here?
0: First of all, I'm, I'm a very transparent person. So if I didn't know, if I didn't or I still don't know something, I'm honest with my clients and say, I have no idea or I'm not sure, but let me do some research. So I always try and do my homework. I do have a network of people to ask with more experience than I have in that area. But also it's to get their perspective and then take that perspective and apply it to the client because everyone is different. And I think that's what's one of, one of the things that I try and do is really get to know the client because let's say we have two billionaires. One may think something is absolutely spectacular because of its uniqueness And the other might think something spectacular because of the experience, if that corresponds correctly. Like someone might want to do something because no one's ever done it before and he wants to be the first to, or she wants to be the first to do it. While as another client will want to do something because the experience touches their heart.
1: That makes sense, right? I mean, there's an adage in our world that once you meet one family office, you've met one family office, right? I mean, everyone they're they're not a they're not a single population. Like they're unique; they have their own motivations, they have their own desires, and I'm sure that's reflected in how they work with vendors like you. Right? Were your clients always male?
0: No, no, absolutely not. Um, I have a mix of male and female clients.
1: What's the? Have you been able to ascertain any themes or differences when the client is a man versus a woman?
0: I think just from my perspective, my women clients just have s- seem to have so much more on their plate with work and home and kids if they have children. And then the, I shouldn't say more on their plate, differences on their plate. Like my female clients are work, home kids and the male clients are work, home, business. The women focus on business too, but it's it's more of a, the, the women just seem to, be juggling more i don't know how else to say it
1: no i mean that makes sense uh, um, they're almost like the air traffic control right i mean right they're touching everything exactly and maybe the male clients have particular spheres of influence that they're very focused on and then they kind of other things are outside of their you know attention
0: exactly like they're aware of it but like my female clients, if you ask if it's from A to D and you ask my female clients, they know everything about from A to D. If the male clients, they know about A and B and C and D, I know something about that, but let me get back to you because I'm not sure of all the details.
1: Right. That makes sense. And are you are you often working with like a, a house manager or a personal concierge individual within the family or household that is like the orc the 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 conductor for the entire orchestra and you're just, you know, part of that?
0: No, I mainly work with the principal and then I may coordinate with the personal assistant or the house manager just as far as it relates to their, the principal's schedule or specifics. Um, Like for example, I, I had a client who wanted me to plan out a birthday celebration for their spouse. So it was arranging all of that, the restaurant, the gifts, the celebration aspects of it, but then coordinating that with the personal assistant, like, can you make sure that he doesn't have any meetings after this specific time so he can make it to the restaurant, that sort of thing. But mostly I I work directly with the principals.
1: And do you ever have to, are you ever brought in by somebody within the family, you know, either one of the principals directly or a spouse or somebody that's kind of ancillary to the immediate family and you've got to convince somebody that like this is why you need a lifestyle manager.
0: I try so I'm not very salesy. Like I present my services and why they can while using my services could be a benefit to you. But if they don't see that, then I don't try and convince them because I think then it feels forced and I want to work with clients who see the value in what I do. I had clients that have tried me for something simple, like I want tickets to the Ryder Cup, to the International Pavilion. And so I would do that for them. And then they saw how seamless it could be. And then they were like, oh, okay. Well, what about this? Or how about this? And then it slowly grows. But I never try and convince anyone because I think that if it's not a good fit, then I'm okay with that.
1: So then is the value proposition for the most part time-saving, and then seeking these extraordinary experiences?
0: I think it's part of it's time-saving, part of it's what I have access to. So the way I try and describe it is most high-net-worth individuals have a personal assistant to manage the aspects of their everyday life, and they do a great job with that. What I provide services for are the nice-to-haves in life. Like, yes, your personal assistant could plan a trip for you, but when I plan a trip for you, I only recommend things that I have personally experienced to make sure it's going to meet your expectation. So that's the difference. And the second part of it access. I recently had an exciting experience for me. I was able to get a client table at Rao's in New York City. And if you're not familiar with Rao's, it's a Italian restaurant in East Harlem, but it only has 10 tables and you buy a table. So you can't call up and make a reservation. You have to know someone who owns a table. And then the person that owns the table can decide if they want to give up one of their reservations to you. And I was able to find someone who knew someone who had a table and said they were willing to give up the reservation to my client if my client made a charitable donation to one of their charities. So things like that are exciting to me. It's exciting for my client because we made it happen. Um, And and I don't know that a personal assistant could have done that. Maybe they could have, but I'm not sure.
1: So how do you? I mean, in your bio and the homework I did on you, I mean, you get people to the Super Bowl, Grammys, Fashion Week. You mentioned the Ryder Cup. And how do you score those tickets? And then it's not just about getting the tickets, right? You want to make sure that it's the VIP tent and they've got the right seats and the food. And so I guess initially, how do you, how do you get the access and then how do you make sure that they're getting that VIP treatment once they're in?
0: So I'm, I'm careful about who I work with and I work with people who are also in the ultra high net worth world. So they know in order for me to be happy and want to work with them again, They need to take care of my clients as if they were their own clients. And so I curate a a very special network of people that can help me obtain access to these sort of things. And then it's mutually beneficial for both of us because if my client's happy and I'm happy, then I'm going to come back and do business with you again. So you're going to make sure that everything you say you're going to do, you're going to do.
1: It makes sense. But then, I mean, but still, how do you get tickets to the Super Bowl? Like, you just so, you build this network up and then you you do favors and it, it's complimentary, that kind of uh, thing?
0: You build this network up. And like I tell my clients, anything is possible for the right price. <laughs> so, yes, I can right. get you front row seats on the 50-yard line to the Super Bowl because I know someone who has access to those tickets but they have access to those tickets because they're expensive. And if you want that access, then you have to be willing to pay for it. And, and most people are because they want the experience.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about the experiences, Okay. especially the travel, just because I think I, I find that personally, you know, fascinating. Um, Cause you, you go on these trips yourself, right? Correct. I mean, you, you stay at these hotels, you take, you, you, You take these tours and and you go check them out beforehand to make sure everything is smooth. So, tell me the stories. Like, what's the nicest hotel you've stayed at? What is the most incredible experience that you've been able to organize for a client? Like, what's on your top two, three places to go and visit?
0: So, I call that part of my services destination scouting. So like I said, I'm very transparent. I had a client who said he wanted to plan what he called an inner circle trip to the French Riviera. And he wanted to be based in Monaco. And I was honest with him and said, I've never been there before. And so I went on the trip. And so the trip was going to be 25 people from the age of 25 to 60. And so I knew my client. He gave me some information about the other guests that we were going on the trip. And then I went there. I stayed at the different hotels. I I experienced different activities, sightseeing. I took a day trip to Cannes, to Nice, and then ate at different restaurants. Uh, I mean, it was a hard assignment, but somebody has to do it.
1: (laughs) Up out there for you. Very tough. I know,
0: right? (laughs) And so then what I do at the end of the trip is I present to the client and I present three hotels, myriad of restaurants and activities. And then I ultimately let them decide which hotel to choose. But the experience in Monaco was very informative for me and for the client because I had recommended Hotel Metropole. And my client came back to me and as the top one of the three. And my client came back to me and said, all of my friends recommend Hotel Hermitage. Why are you saying Hotel Metropole? And I said, there is absolutely nothing wrong with Hotel Hermitage. It's a great hotel. But you specifically said, you want to feel like you're in the center of everything, but also secluded. And once you walk through the front driveway of Hotel Metropole, you are in your own oasis." I said, and the second reason is the service. Hotel Metropole, when you are out by the pool, every 15 minutes, someone comes by with a wet washcloth that's cold and a frozen shot of fruit to make sure that you are refreshed at all times. And that is the type of service I think that you would appreciate. And he was like, okay, I understand now. And he ended up going with Hotel Metropole and he was very happy.
1: It's incredible. And how do you... So to that point, right? That somebody said, well, my friend said X, Y, and Z. How do you manage the egos? How do you manage these big personalities that are accustomed to getting their way and to to being able to, to make things happen out of whole cloth. Are you intimidated ever?
0: I think sometimes I am, but I just don't show it because I just see it as I'm presenting the information to you that I think is best for you. It's up to you, and you have to decide what's right for you out of all this information I gave you. I'll give you another quick example. Uh, I had a client who wanted to plan a romantic anniversary getaway for he and his wife. And We, he decided on Cabo San Lucas. And so I had narrowed it down to the Pedregal and the one and only. Those were my top two hotels. And I said, the one and only, I don't think is going to be a good fit because they have an in-room butler. And if you're going away on romantic weekend with your wife, I don't think that an in-room butler, I think that's going to kind of affect the mood. And he said, okay, I appreciate what you're saying. I'm going to go with the one and only. Let's get it done. And I said, fine. Um, They arrived and about three hours later, I got a call from him and he said, my wife hates the butler, you need to get us out of here. And I said, okay, let's take a beat. Do you like the rest of the resort? And he said, absolutely, we love everything else about it. I said, okay, what if I have the butler meet with you out of the room every morning at 9 a.m., And you tell him your needs for the day. And then that's it. You never see him again. And so he said, let me talk to my wife and get back to you. And I said, okay, fine. And if not, if that's not a good fit, then I will absolutely move you. And so he called me back and he said, yes, my wife is okay with that. And I said, okay, great. And that was it. He enjoyed his trip. They came back. He met with me after and said, thank you for not saying I told you so. And I said, well, why would I say that? I mean, come on. He said, most people would in my world. And I said, okay.
1: Yikes. Any nightmare stories, trips that go sideways, like things that are outside of your control that you've had to just do a a complete (laughs) damage reclamation project on?
0: I have had trips and events be disastrous. (laughs) But on those experiences, what I learned is like the client complained, I corrected it, but it wasn't anything that was specifically Wrong. It was just that I realized at a certain point during the expansive complaining that nothing anyone could do was ever going to make them happy. So I just accepted the fact that it wasn't anything wrong with the hotel. The hotel was fine, the ground transportation was fine, the activities were fine. They just weren't appreciating any of it. And those are situations that happen. And so what I do is usually after. I provide a service to my client. I meet with them and say, did anything go wrong? If something went wrong, how can we make it better for next time? And that's the way I learn. And on the disastrous events, the clients are usually like, I am just I just wasn't happy. And so that's not an element of the experience. That's just an element that happened, if that makes sense.
1: No, it, it does make sense. And I would assume that historically, you got business through word of mouth, referrals, introductions. This is a small club type community that people operate in. But walk us through what happened. I mean, we're recording this in early 2022. Mm -hmm. What happened
0: when COVID hit? So when COVID hit, initially, the clients that I had went to their second or third homes um, and just hunkered down and did nothing. But one of the services that I provide is investment property research. So if a client is looking for a second home, they would like to buy a home for their children, they want to give someone a home, then I do the research for that. I used to have my real estate license. I don't have it anymore, but I'm a real estate enthusiast. So they'll tell me I'm looking for an apartment in New York City. I want it as a rental. This is what I want to pay. This is what I am looking for in the building. And then I do the research. I meet with the realtors, narrow things down to five or six properties. And then I present those properties to my client and tell them why I think they are the best. If you want this apartment as a rental apartment, you could rent it out for $4,000 a month, but the maintenance fees and the taxes are 2000 so that's a nice profit or this one over here the maintenance fees and taxes are 3000 so a little less of a profit but then you decide which one you want and so i do those sort of things and then once i present to them those options they take it from there and have the final sale and or or not and and then move forward um, so i was able to work on projects like that for my clients because of the way the market was because of COVID.
1: But I assume the the events and the dinners, that all went away for a while, right?
0: That all went away for a while. I did have a couple of clients that wanted to do events, but I was honest with them and said I did not feel comfortable doing events for them because of just the whole COVID situation. Some understood, some didn't, but it also gave me a, a chance to align with clients that share my values.
1: That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that one myself.
0: You have to be politically correct all the time.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, we're both in a service industry. Uh, I, I understand. So what What is? What are the current trends? I mean, the market's coming back, right? People are traveling. The world is opening up and you know, kind of Omicron is, is on its way out, hopefully here. Yes. What are the requests you're getting now? What are people interested in?
0: So most of my clients are interested in the experience, like whether it's, they want to go somewhere sustainable, they want true off the grid experience. They want it to be more meaningful in some way, even if it's a dinner party. Previously, clients would have these dinner parties where there was 20, 30 guests and it was a wonderful experience. But now they're like, you know what? I just want to invite 10 of my closest friends, people I haven't been able to see in a couple of years. So I think it's more heartfelt or a more genuine experience, if that makes sense. If that's the right words to say, they just want it to be more meaningful.
1: And has and travel picked back up? Are people taking these trips?
0: Mm, no. Mm. So most of my clients originally said, spring of 2022, but now they're not sure. They're thinking maybe summer. But I think the difference with my clients is, yes, COVID is affecting them, but they fly private and they can go to secluded locations. Like I was excited to speak to someone yesterday about the Brando Resort. Someone had reached out to me and wanted to tell me about it. Marlon Brando, bought an island in French Polynesia, and the hotel is 85% sustainable. um, And they're working on new marketing for the islands. There's 35 villas. And I thought, oh, this would be perfect for my clients. They can go, they could fly private. They could be secluded on an island where a small section is the hotel and the rest of the island, it's natural inhabitants. They you know, hatch sea turtles, the birds are all there. Everything is as the island originally was. So they only took a small portion of it. And it's things like that where I research and learn about that I then share with my clients and say, is this something that appeals to you? Do you think this is exciting? And then they let me know. So I, th- I think it's, it's going to be more those types of experiences and travel.
1: And what about, are you starting to see millennials and Gen Zs making these decisions or being part of this decision-making process? And how are their um, priorities changing some of these experiential travels?
0: I think I am starting to see them more engaged. And I think they just are, from my experience, they're just totally focused on the experience like they live a, a wonderful life but they also want the experience so like let's say the super bowl they want to go to the super bowl so that's a great experience but then they want to have an experience within the experience like can i meet the players can i go on the field so they feel the whole it's like 360 it's not i just went to the super bowl it's like i went to the super bowl and i was on the field after whoever won, you know, let's say the Patriots or let's say the Buccaneers because Tom Brady's probably going to win the Super Bowl again if he goes.
1: <laughs> Whoa, uh, <laughs> you're on the record. Okay,
0: okay. Um, so they have that whole experience. And I think that, that is, is the difference that I see versus their parents that would be like, okay, I want to go to the Super Bowl and go watch the game, have a great time. And then that would be satisfactory to them. They want a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I think I'm seeing the same thing on the investment side as well, right? Just it's not just about returns; it's about having impact investing, it's having a double, triple bottom line type investment strategy, and right. in the ex- in the experience is what matters.
0: And are you noticing that are they investing in more sustainable things?
1: hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, these buzzwords get thrown around a lot. ESG, sustainability, impact investing, it, you know, remains to be seen how much is marketing versus, you know, real substantive, but it's on the top of people's minds for sure, especially with the cohort of my age range. So I'm not surprised that it would it would fall through onto the, to the other side as well. Well, listen, Donna, this has been great.
0: It has been. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Really fun and a little bit different conversation. I'm glad we connected, you know, the power of LinkedIn. Never ceases exactly. to amaze me. Hopefully, one day I can afford to hire you. It'll it'll be on my my wish list. If if people are interested in connecting with you and you know learning more about your services or, or the type of work that you can do, we'll include your contact information in the show notes. But is there a way for them to get in touch?
0: Yeah, if they just email me or give me a call, that's best. They, okay. I mean, if they want to connect with me on LinkedIn, they can do that as well. I think whatever's easier for them.
1: Well, you know, Don, I want to thank you for the time. And, Thank you uh, for sharing the the experiences and and your uh, expertise here. Pretty remarkable, and you know, hopefully, we can do another one in the next you know year or so. And you've got some crazy stories to tell us. But um, <laughs> well, I want to wish you the best of luck. I hope Omicron goes away very quickly, and people can get yes. back out and about. And uh, I look forward to meeting you in person next time I'm up in New York.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Okay, Donna. Take care.
0: All right. Bye. Thank you for joining the conversation on Colloquium. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review. And stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.